Hi, my name is Dawn Long. I started this podcast to share not only my story, but to share others' untold stories, to share the truth and journey of healing, so I can show you that it is safe to do the same. We are transforming and healing together. This show is about the heart-centered transformation for you, for me, and the world. This is the Your Transformation Journey show, and this is our journey together. Let's begin. Andrea Mason is one of these guests that weaves her story throughout this podcast that leaves you to pause. She talks about some challenging things that she had went through coming over to the United States, starting her life over here at the age of 11 months and being only 11 pounds. Listen to the rest of the podcast because she takes her challenges that she had as growing up and taking those challenges and doing social work in the most amazing way and tossing the case files before she met her clients. And then she would look at the case file. We also talked a little bit about some of the most vilified people that are in our prison system. So Andrea takes people that are made less than by our society and actually takes the time to listen. Welcome to another episode of Your Transformation Journey podcast. Today, our guest is Andrea, and she is a certified global motivational speaker. She actually was under the mentorship of Mr. Les Brown, which is freaking awesome, and has over two decades in social work, psychology, medical, holistic, and wellness industries. She is also a certified professional organizer, certified small business entrepreneur, and the creator and venture of the life transformational journey called Press Play, which means plan a life according to you, where one achieves personal freedom through the healing power of forgiveness and getting from where you are to where you need to be. She does not dictate, nor does she lectures. She listens and learns with all integrity, passion, and love. She has no judgment, no excuses, just results. So welcome to the show because I love that play because we were just talking about that and it makes it really memorable. So I always love to ask, what got you started doing what you're doing and why? 
Absolutely. I want to first thank you so much, Dawn, for having me upon your transformation journey. Uh, so I was grown up in a war-torn drug zone era at its prime of the war-torn drug zone underdeveloped country of Colombia, South America. And my parents had to make the ultimate sacrifice and put me up for adoption. And in doing so, they had sent me to the promised land, that of America, where I was welcomed with open arms and open hearts of my parents who said that I was a treasure to them. But little did they know during my journey, it was a tragedy. See, I didn't have any identity. I did not know, still to this very day, don't know who my parents are. No photographs, no medical records. But I made that trip, trip that trial and tribulation, something to be on a mission for. So as my parents had told me at the age of seven that I was adopted, I decided that, okay, so I'm a gift to them. But then I thought, how could I love anyone if my parents didn't love me? I was abandoned. As a young age growing up in adolescence and younger years, I was bullied because I didn't fit in. I didn't know who I sounded like. I didn't know who I looked like. I was coming from another country to the US. So when it was time to make a decision and take the pen in my own hand, I decided to go into the industries of social work and psychology, medical, holistic, and wellness fields, where I understood what it is about individuals, the socioeconomic status, the differences, the cultural diversities. And in doing so, I learned the science behind why we do what we do and how significant our subconscious can be with thoughts, experiences, and incidents. And in my journey, when the shutdown arose, 2020 was a year of clarity. I connected with the Mr. Les Brown and I began to dream, dream big. And in doing so, I am the creator and innovator of, as you mentioned, Press Play, where I plan life according to you. And we together walk the journey side by side so you can achieve your goals as I am your personal accountability coach every step of the way. Thank you. Definitely. That is amazing on how you overcame that. And there's so many that in our country or globally actually that don't know their parents don't know their history and it does leave a big void um i myself had a partial parent that i didn't realize that i had until a later age and it was in my teenage years and i learned to start asking questions because things weren't adding up and once I realized that and then got that other part of my history, it was like things started clicking together. But I applaud those that don't get what I received, what I call that gift, because to me it was literally a gift to be able to find my dad and my other side of my family. And for those that don't have that gift and you still have to go on and still make a life and still succeed, even not knowing your family history. And it's something that has always a healing thing for me because 
you learn how to forgive those that you cannot see. Absolutely. And that's the healing power of forgiveness that I bring home to every individual I connect with. Through my studies of social work and psychology, along with my personal experiences, I never understood why they did what they did. How could parents give their child up, not knowing what their future holds? But as I became a parent, I realized that was the biggest gift they gave me, a second chance at life. And I failed to mention upon arrival to America, I was only 11 pounds at 11 months old. That's a pound per month. And to travel across the, you know, across the borders at that such young age could be also very tra traumatic. And in doing so with forgiveness, a lot of us are pride stricken. And, and when we hear forgiveness, two thoughts come to mind. The perspective of, well, I'm giving them, if I forgive them, then I'm giving them the permission for what they've done to me was acceptable. And that's not the case whatsoever. The case is they may not know what they have done, that's all they've known that they've done, or that's all that they, that's how they've been treated. And I've learned that through speaking with patients from infantry to geriatric in the social work and psychology fields. And when we say forgiveness, most importantly, Dawn, I think that you tapped on and put a spotlight on is most importantly, forgiving ourselves. Because we are the only creatures that repetitively hurt ourselves, self-sabotage, self-doubt, and lack self-love to only realize that it's us that's carrying that baggage, that anchor from year to year to decade to decade. And when we release that, it's liberating and realize, hey, things happen for a reason. There's a season for a reason. I'm not justifying or commending what they did was correct, but I need to take the lesson from it, learn from it, and move on. Yeah, and uh, that's extremely important, especially when you're dealing with that in social work and psychology. And I usually, when I tell part of my story, I tell people I used to want it to be a brain surgeon at the age of four. How... I realized people were messed up, but I wanted to help. And I realized that at a really young age and I was trying to figure out how I realized that because to me, I knew something was inherently broken mm -hmm. and I was going like, Oh, okay. So I can fix the brain because I was going like, it had to do with the brain. And I right. think a lot of that had to do with what the universe and the other side was actually telling me, even at that young age, of people are broken so when you went into social work and psychology let's dive into that a little bit because there are so many atrocities that help that go through on not just united states but globally and we're talking about sexual abuse mental abuse mm -hmm. just all of the things that go on especially through childhood that can really mold who they are when they're an adult. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, they say the first seven months of infantry, 
that is the foundation of your subconscious, whether you want to believe it or not. And then the first seven years of life is where you gain or lack nurturance. And what allowed me to excel in social work was because I was able to relate to individuals on a myriad of different experiences. I experienced abuse from my peers during school. I was bullied, getting shoved into lockers and, you know, thrown into garbage cans. I was getting mentally abused by not fitting in and, and the peer pressure. And, you know, the other types of abuse of the emotional and sexual abuse that I didn't understand what was going on because I didn't love myself. And in my relationships, it was difficult as I was adolescent because I was always trying to fill some sort of void. And I wasn't understanding why can't I have that eighth slice in the, in the piece of pie? You know, I have unconditional love for my parents that are healthy and wealthy than my original biological parents. My biological parents have given me the gift of a second life. But again, with that lack of identity, that lack of nurturance, you know, my safe haven was my home. And when I was in school and my career life, I never fit in. I was always trying to become what they call a people pleaser. And I would self-sabotage if I saw somebody getting close to me, whether it's on a professional, personal, relationship, familial level, I put my barriers up because I figured I wasn't deservant. I wasn't worthy of their love because subconsciously I wasn't, I didn't experience or recall love from my original parents. So, I mean, and I, the stigmatism with mental health is that either you have to be at one side of the spectrum or the other. And if you're on the high level of function, you're deemed as seeking attention, seeking, you know, that instant need of love. And if you're on the latter part of the spectrum, then you're incompetent. You lack intelligence. You lack emotion. You're just, quote unquote, messed up and you have to deal with it. And when I was going through life, when my parents were trying to get, seek guidance during my experiences during school, I had confided in someone. They found me someone to speak with. I felt confided in that person. And that person was five minutes of how was your week? 20, if I'm lucky, 25 minutes of my feelings, 10 minutes, if at best, what a reflection was when most of the time it was condescending or demeaning, and then five minutes sending me on my way. There was no strategical methods. There was no tactics per se. And that is what I propelled me even more to create press play. And like in the intro, I don't dictate, I don't lecture. I am not at the liberty to know what you 
are waking up to every single day in your life. I can only empathize and sympathize by what you disclose at your respect and your comfort. And that's what I relate to. And that's what I connect with because I've been there. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely challenged. I can definitely relate to the putting up the barriers and the walls because Mm -hmm. when you go through those things as a young child, Mm -hmm. you don't know who you can actually trust. And for me, that's what it was. It was a trust factor. Absolutely. Um, I was naive enough as a kid to think that I could trust my peers. Right. And they taught me really quick. I could not yes. trust them. Right. And, and I, go yes. ahead. No, no, I just wanted to correct you because that's what I used to say, naive. But I think the correct term is we had limited or limited or barriered knowledge. Yes. Because naive is an insult and we weren't naive. Yeah. Exactly. So I love part of, part of me. <laughs> I love how you put that because that, yes. that is a different way of putting it. And, you know, kids, unabashedly, they don't have filters. Nope. Mm-mm. And they mm-hmm. don't know how to temper some of the things that they say. Correct. And that is what caused me to, by the time I got to high school, I was eating lunch in the library. Cause I just didn't want to deal with the drama. I was mm-hmm. going like, I surrounded myself in books and that's mm-hmm. where I stayed until, until I had kids of my own. And mm-hmm. then it was trying to learn how to get out of the life of books to start mm-hmm. realizing that I did have that power and that I could heal and that I could forgive. Right. And, and you actually had a better lunch space than I did. I was sitting in the stalls eating lunch in the girls room on the top, making sure nobody saw my feet praying. Nobody would come in. And I, I would. Yeah. And I would wait. And I was like, is it bad enough that maybe I can go to the nurse and maybe she'll send me home? And then I could be in my safe haven with my grandparents as my parents were both bankers on, you know, in, in you know, New York City. Yeah. you know, and Wall Street and stuff like that. And it's just amazing because when I started studying and understanding people's perspective, people's mindsets, people's, you know, experiences, when I walked into the institutions, the jail cells on the street, in the rooming houses, in the shelters, my supervisor would give me their profile and I said, I don't want to look at this right now. I would go in blindly and I would talk to the individual as a human because I didn't want any bias, negative connotation or misinterpretation or misinformation of somebody who didn't understand the individual. And that is what allowed me to excel in the the years of social work and psychology because I was able to relate to them. And what was the most amazing was hearing their stories that this is all I've known. I was abused my whole life. I just thought that was what we were supposed to do. I didn't have any judgment. And like we piggybacked before, the lack of knowledge or the limited knowledge that we had. And then I would get the kind of reprimands from when I went home to my family and I would be obviously respecting confidentiality. I would say, oh, I met this amazing person in the jail. 
you know, unfortunately they, you know, they had a bad rap sheet of A, B, and C, obviously with limited respect. And their reactions was just like, how dare you talk to that monster? They killed so-and-so and -and so-and-so, or they were deemed as a pedophile. And I said, that's where you're compartmentalizing individuals. That's where you're putting them in a label, in a stigmatism, and in a box. There's so much more to that. And when we start looking at each other, even to today with the craziness that's going on in life, if we are able to understand that we are individuals of humanity and we are of the same human race, that we all have a story. Some of us have different chapters and longer chapters of a particular experience, but we're all human. And it's when we realize that that we learn to and start rising and uniting together as opposed to conquering and dividing. Yeah. I'm so glad that you brought up going into jails. Yeah. I have a younger son right now that's currently incarcerated. Mm -hmm. He was incarcerated for a sex offense. Mm -hmm. And as a parent, you go through all of those emotions Mm -hmm. and what they don't realize is the family serve time with the people that are in there. Right. And to have somebody that is willing to go in there and talk to them and be with them and actually find out who they are as a person and find out their story before making those judgments because that's one of the things the group that i'm with we are fighting for Mm -hmm. we're fighting for justice reform but in order to fight for that it's we're learning that we need to educate people and educate them on what their limited knowledge is because they don't know because when you're when you put everybody in there in that same global sex offense Mm -hmm. and you don't understand why they're in there for you just see that and you think they're the worst person in the world or if they killed somebody you think they're the worst person in the world you don't know their whole situation you don't know their whole story so thank you for being a person Mm -hmm. to help these people because they need it more than anybody and and that was the thing that really you know, I looked forward to as a liaison social worker from the school systems to the juvenile detention centers, from the longevity institutions and on the streets between the court system. And it just, like, I've had so many experiences as a social worker. I'm a petite female. And I would have to do drive-bys. I would have to do wellness checks. I would have to do, you know, status checks. And they were just like, how do you, how do you, how do you go in there? I said, this is somebody's son, somebody's father, somebody's brother, somebody's sister, somebody's mother, somebody's daughter. And I said, you know, you have to look through them through, you know, whoever you put in the highest regard, I'll say our creator for for people. And and that's what Les Miserables, to love another person is to see the face of God and not to 
banish them for their mistakes. You don't know what their mindset was at that time. You don't know what if they were cornered in a situation. You don't know their situation or story and emotion and mental status at that time. And one of the biggest, biggest things that I've learned, if any, in my past over two decades in this in these fields is the biggest myth is that individuals with mental health lack intellect. And believe you me, these individuals have been through the system then and back regardless of age and know it better than any professional that reads it from a textbook, pardon me, gets a credential or gets their degree in it. And I would put myself out there and go into, I remember seeing one individual, I did a wellness check. It was the wee hours of the morning. At that time, we didn't, we didn't, we had a beeper. We, we had a, excuse me, a flip phone. We really didn't have great cell service. But when you think about the line of work that we've done, we're not armed. And I remember going up to the, the, the door, entering to see if it was okay, because the door was unlocked. And there was a group of individuals doing the most severe chemical substances out there. And I had to, you know, do the protect and serve and collaborate for their well-being as well as the community. And I remember trying to have a conversation with law enforcement. These are human beings. There, there may be a chemical balance. There may be a substance, you know, a chemical substance induced imbalance. Yeah. But we need to treat them like humans, not animals. And unfortunately, sometimes we treat animals better, better than we treat our humans, our fellow humans. Yeah. And I when we get on that, and when we get to the root cause, we start educating the law enforcement, educating the judicial system and educating the doctors. Let's learn that these are family members. And you're right, it doesn't take a toll on just the individual. It takes a toll on their family, their community, and their, their, their emotions and intellect. Because if you go back into the world, you don't want to go back because you're considered a monster. You're considered a scar-branded individual now. We all make mistakes. Everyone has a skeleton or skeletons in their closet. And until an individual is perfect, then we can speak. Thank you for that. And I really wish I could leave it at that because how in the world can you follow up with that? But <laughs> No problem. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about your press play because I think that that's indicative of the things that you have gone through mm -hmm. and the things that you have done in mm -hmm. your life to help people. So mm -hmm. talk to us a little bit about press play. What can they expect if they reach out to you? Cause I know I have your website scrolling down at the bottom. Absolutely. What, what yes. can they expect from that program? Yes. And all of we were having a great time. So you can grab your cell phones and go to your email and email me at the email on um, 
the screen to receive your complimentary gift from me, am.pressplay at gmail. So the way I developed Press Play was I said, what can I give the best version of me? And when we are younger, our story is written to us and told to us. And it's only until then when you decide to take the pen in your own hand and begin writing your story. So I was an athlete during school and I got into the arts of music and I play the piano. And I loved playing. Those were my scapegoats because I excelled at it for the soccer realm. And as an athlete, I understood how to be a leader as well as a teammate. And as far as music, I knew that I, with my imagination and creativity, I can create amazing things. And I said, that's all well and good, but what do people need? People need to understand through the healing power of forgiveness is when you are able to have personal freedom. You achieve it by allowing yourself to forgive, learn the lesson, and move forward. We all fail in life. I wasn't fearful of failing. I've seen my life. I was fearful of a success because I knew the best way I could be selfless, genuine, loving, and act with integrity was being the only person I knew best, my reflection. And when I was able to muster up the courage and be transparent, be honest, no filter, no excuses, just results, and share my stories that I know I could be that hand that I may have needed in the, in the girl's room stall to say, hey, I know what it's like. I've been there. I've experienced it. May not, may not be on the same level to the extreme or a little bit more, but I'm here to listen. I'm here to learn about you. What is it that you want to achieve? Where have you been? Where are you now? Where do you want to go? Take my hand. Let's walk side by side and do this together. I don't want to be in front of you because then that would be allowing you to kind of rush the process. I don't want to be behind you because then I don't want to push the process. We walk side by side and we work at your pace because I feel I don't know what it's like to wake up like Miss Dawn in the morning and all of a sudden she stubs her toe and then she burns her toast and then she's late for work. I don't know those experiences. So it's not fair for me to dictate how you live your life. But what I can do is be an accountability coach, a sounding board, someone without judgment who says, you know what? You've got this. I believe in you. And if we get task one achieved, Excellent. If we don't get taxed one, tomorrow's a new day. Let's learn from today and see what we can tweak and alter. And I just support you alongside with words of encouragement, words of empowerment. Taking you out of the darkness because I was there when my parents were working. And I don't 
shun them from that. But I do remember, where do I go? I have to wait until they come home to at least express my emotions. Hopefully they don't judge me. Hopefully they don't think I'm the silly one. And anytime that we suppress our emotions, if you're not taking care of yourself, then the universe and our creator will intervene and shut you down. Because your number one asset is your health, your mental health. And without that, you're just a skeleton of a person. So in order to be successful, have self-awareness, self-discovery and love of who you are so you can help another. Practice what you preach, preach what you practice, because that's going to be the best version of you. That is pretty good. <laughs> I appreciate that a lot. No problem. Thank you. I was just going to say, I usually ask what is one good last nugget that you can give our audience. So I'm going to ask you of that. What is one last nugget that you can give our audience? And then we're going to wrap it up. Absolutely. The last nugget I encourage each and every one of you listening, and I thank you for staying with us this long. Follow your heart and not the herd, nor the hurt, for you will be disappointed every time. Because when you follow your heart, success and happiness are on the other side. Andrea, I so appreciate that. Yes. So I know they can find you at your website. We got mm -hmm. your email. Is there Just any now. other place they can find you? Absolutely. Andrea Mason on LinkedIn. On YouTube, I have over 300 videos tapping into all dynamics was YouTube channel, Andrea Mason, your personal accountability coach, Andrea Mason on Facebook and awesome. Instagram. Yes. Andrea, I so appreciate it. And I would love to have you back on because that's really amazing. Thank you. And mm -hmm. so for those of you that are listening, um, I am going to have my second round of my finding strength when your ground is shaking free course in probably closer to the end of October. I just finished up the first round and the moms that were in there. It was an amazing group and an amazing time. Congratulations. So, yes. I want you to have that same thing. And then after that, it is going to turn into a paid course. So if you want to catch it for free, I highly recommend that you can reach out to me at www.donlongcoach.com or come find me on Facebook, YouTube, or on Podbean too as well. So everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for coming on, Andrea. And as I always love to sign off, whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not. And I just want to make a note. Thank you so much for Mr. Nelson Beltajar, the son of a yes. warrior, my good friend. Thank you for our amazing, beautiful connection. And I welcome any future endeavors to support you and your family. Awesome. Yes. I love Nelson. Yes. So whether y'all believe it or not or know it or not, you're unstoppable, you're loved, and you are the beacon of hope. Everyone have a good night, and I will see you back here on Monday. Have yes. a good one.
Thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to our podcast. To support the podcast, join our Patreon account through Podbean at Your Transformation Journey. Or if you liked this episode, send us a review through iTunes and follow us on Podbean. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and also at my website at www.donglongcoach.com. Remember, you are unstoppable and you are loved.